Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. Well, we'll go ahead and get started here in prayer. Well, God, thank you for today. You are awesome. And we thank you for every individual that's listening to this today. We just thank you, Lord, that you're guiding and directing them in the plan that you have for them and that you love them and you love me. And we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to, to come together as believers and dive into your word. Thank you, Lord, for the plan that you have for us, Lord, and we just give this time to you. So thank you, Jesus, and you're in my pray. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at scriptures that most of us have probably heard before, but maybe just not seen them in the way that you know we're going to be looking at them. The title of this message today is called, What I Feel. And really, what it's geared towards is our five senses. You know, what we can see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. Sometimes when we go to events like church or like a Christian concert, you know, where there's praise and worship going on, a thought we may have is, you know, I really want to feel God. I want to feel His presence. Now, first, I just want to say, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. God loves an expectant attitude, and that's what that is. You know, we're coming expecting. We don't want to leave the same way that we came. But today, what we'll be looking at through the Word is whether or not we should be coming trying to tangibly feel God. And, and here's what I mean. I've been to church services where, you know, when it's done, I just didn't want to leave, <laughs> you know. And, and that's not because I wanted to sit there and, and I just wanted to talk with people. I, I, what I'm saying is I didn't want to leave because, man, the presence of God was awesome. And just to point something out, God is always with us. Okay, when we sense his presence, it's not because God is any more closer to us than he is at other times. I mean, his spirit literally lives on the inside of us. I mean, he's on the inside of us. He can't get any closer to us. But when we go to church or we, you know, quote unquote, experience the presence of God, it's not God that's done anything different. It's just that we've become more sensitive to God's presence. So again, I've been to church services where, you know, when it was done, I just didn't want to leave. You know, the music stops and when the lights come back on, you know, I just kind of would sit there because I just wanted to, you know, bask in God's presence, if you will. And there was actually a few times when I first started going to church where I'd kind of have my head down and and I that's what I'd be doing. I was just sitting there. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to open my eyes. I was just enjoying, you know, what just happened. And after a minute or two, someone would see me and they'd have a compassionate heart. And so they'd come over to me and uh, ask if I was doing okay. And they were willing to, to minister to me, to pray for me if I needed it. And I'd be like, no, no, I'm just, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just enjoying it, you know? And, and so that sort of thing. And there was actually a time where at my church, Sunday nights were a, you know, kind of like a more emphasis on the praise and worship. There'd be a message and then there'd be Uh, praise and worship after. And at the time, I worked a job where I was working six days a week, anywhere from 10 to 15 hour days. It was a sales job. So you just kind of worked as long as you had to, to, you know, bring home the proverbial bacon, you know, that sort of thing. But I didn't want to really be at that job anymore. I wanted to move on to something different, but I just didn't feel like God was saying it was time to leave yet. So I would work these long days and it it was fine. But I remember going to the night services and I would just sit there and it would just be an awesome night of worship. And 
I was using it almost as a way to get refreshed because like I would just forget everything else. I try to I would forget about the long work week coming up and I would just praise God and and what I like to do is I would kind of like I already mentioned before, I would kind of have my head down, I'd have my elbows on my knees and my my face in my hands and I'd sit there and you know, I'd sing sometimes and 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 actually I like to hum the songs, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't know. I just prefer to uh, not read the music when I sing, and so I really enjoy it when it's a song. You know, not that I'm against reading the music. I'm not. I'm not saying anything wrong about that. But just the way that I like to enter into worship with God is, I love it when I already know kind of the words, and and I can just sing without reading it. But if I don't know the words, uh, I like to just kind of sit there and hum hum the tune and. And, and it's and it's really cool between me and God. But I was using that time as like a refreshing time and it would work. I mean, God just really refreshed me because I was, like I talked about, it's not that God was any closer to me. I mean, he literally is in the inside of us, but it was just I was being more aware of God's presence. And so I was just getting refreshed. And so then I would be able to like literally feel the difference in my soulless realm and I was able to you know go about another week and it was awesome but again why was that so helpful for me in my walk with Christ it, well you know me as an early believer it was just a time where I could really sense God's presence if you will and I didn't want that time to end now again don't misinterpret what I'm saying I hope I don't come across in this message of giving the impression that I'm saying that, you know, you're worshiping God wrong or anything like that. That's not what this is about. Okay, that is that is absolutely not my heart. What I'm wanting to share with you is that God has a better way. And so we're going to talk about feelings in our five senses. But again, there's nothing wrong with enjoying those moments. You know, when we have those type of moments at church or, or it doesn't have to be at your church. It doesn't have to be around other people when you're reading your Bible or whatever the case may be and you get the goosebumps or you get the feelings and you just know that you're in the presence of God. You, you, you're you more aware of it. You know, enjoy that time, okay? The feelings and the goosebumps are awesome. If you're at a church service and somebody comes over and gives a personal prophecy to you and, you know, you test it like the word says. You don't just receive something just because somebody comes to you and says, Oh, thus saith the Lord. You don't do that. You know, you it has to minister to you and, and has to line up with the word. But if somebody comes over and gives you a personal prophecy and you know it's from the Lord, praise God. You know, those times are awesome. Okay, there's nothing wrong with it. Those types of experience in and of themselves are awesome. But here's kind of the danger of that. Again, those things aren't dangerous, but... What can follow those types of experiences has the potential to harm an individual's walk with Christ. And that's all based on whether or not it's balanced up properly. Because after they've experienced something like that, they seek after that. They feel it's always got to be that way. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. You know, there's a good amount of God-loving believers that once they've experienced some sort of tangible spiritual experience, you know, whatever that may look like, they think it should always be that way. And if it's not, they think that something's wrong. When those feelings go away, here's where the mind tends to want to go. Your mind wants to think, well, how do I get it back? You know, what did I do to lose it? Why wasn't my experience at church today 
like it was last week. You know, did I do something wrong? You know, did I not read my Bible enough? Was it because I forgot my Bible? <laughs> I didn't bring it. You know, maybe I needed to fast and pray more. You know, I needed to be more holy. You know, um, maybe we did something silly. Maybe we, and this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get all heavy, but you know, what if we yelled at the dog before we left the, to go to church? You know, is that why I didn't have the same feelings that I had last time at church? Another thought may be, what was it I did? You know, what did I do actually during the service to have those things happen last time? You know, was it that I was singing standing up or was it because I was singing sitting down or did I lift my hands or was it because my favorite song played or, or oh, oh yeah, it's got to be because so-and-so who sang the song, that's what it was. You know, it has to be them singing the song and that and that's what really ministers to me. Well, <laughs> The problem with that is that all of that will lead back to what do I have to do to get it back? Again, this is not me saying that those quote-unquote feelings are bad, okay? When we get the feelings, when we get the goosebumps, enjoy them. (laughs) They're awesome. But what I'm saying is it's not God's desire for us to try and live that way. And really what I'm describing here is a Christian who's thinking carnally. Now, I know that sounds really bad to label someone as carnal, you know, especially a Christian, but did you know that the word carnal basically just means of the five senses? A carnal Christian is simply someone who's being dominated by what they can see, hear, taste, smell, and feel, more than what the word says about their situation. I'd guess that most of us, when we hear the word carnal, associate it with sin. And and yes, absolutely all sin is carnal. It's all about me, it's self-centered, it's self-motivated. So yes, all sin is carnal, absolutely. But here's what's important for us to understand. Just because something is carnal doesn't mean that it's sin. Okay, again, carnal simply means of the five senses, experiencing something through our five senses. Eating our food is carnal. (laughs) You see it, you feel it, you smell it, you taste it. Now that doesn't make eating sin. Okay, watching a show on TV is carnal. You can see it and you can hear it, but that doesn't make it sin. If I were to come up to you and ask you, are you hot or cold? Well, you'd have to use your five senses to tell me whether or not you were cold. You'd be able to tell right away, yeah, I'm hot, I'm cold, you know, and that is carnal, okay? You're using your five senses. So your five senses aren't bad and being carnal isn't bad, okay? But again, all sin is carnal, but not all. All carnality is sin. So the truth is, it's not God's best for us to gauge his presence based on whether we feel him or not. He doesn't want us to live by our five senses. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight, okay, and sight being one of our five senses. Now, because that verse just mentioned faith, you know, let's take a gander at faith. Let's look at it. Hebrews 11.6 in the first part of that says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God, okay? (laughs) So it doesn't just mean if we don't have faith that we're less apt to be able to please God. No, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Now, if we can't please God without faith, it must be really important for us to figure out what faith is. And Hebrews 11.1 explains what it is. So Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay, and that word hoped isn't like what it's kind of come to develop into. Okay, the word hope today kind of means like I wish, you know, (laughs) I wish and I hope, you know, and that sort of thing. It's not the same thing. The Bible's version of hope means an expectant attitude, okay? You're expecting. So let me read that again. Now, faith is the substance of things expected, the evidence of things not yet seen. Okay, and again, seen being one of the five senses. We're not going to spend much time on this, but faith is something that even though you can't see anything, meaning there's no tangible evidence of it, you still believe you have it. So what I'm wanting to point out here is that when we're in faith, we don't see anything in the natural, okay? Our five senses have no part to play. (laughs) Why would you need to have faith for something that's already manifested? Okay, and we're not getting into the spiritual side of this, but we know when we're believing for something, when we're standing in faith, we're actually believing, even though we can't see it, that we already have it in the spirit realm. Okay, it just hasn't manifested. But what we're talking about here is in the natural realm with our five senses. It can't be perceived. So again, faith isn't about a feeling or a goosebump. Faith is believing. And even though there's no tangible proof of it in the natural, you know, our five senses can't pick it up. We still believe. How about our salvation experience? And when we make the decision to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, if we were someone that didn't, you know, quote unquote, feel something when we accepted Jesus, Does that mean our born-again experience was less effective than someone else who did? And the answer to that is no, okay? But let's go to the Bible. Acts 16, 30 through 31. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And what I want you to notice here is that our five senses aren't mentioned anywhere in that verse. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we see here part of the equation of becoming saved is through faith. But we just saw faith has nothing to do with our feelings. And also in this verse, it even mentions, you know, not being able to boast, not boasting. And that really goes back to that idea of, you know, what did I do to get the feelings and the goosebumps, you know, to begin with? You know, what did I do to lose it? What do I need to do to get those feelings back? Okay. We can't boast or earn our salvation experience. For time's sake, I won't read it. But what about when Jesus appeared to Thomas and he told him to look at the nail holes in his hands and to place his hand in his side? And that was found in. John 20, verses 24 through 29. But in verse 29, it says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, okay, this five senses, seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus is saying those who will believe in him, not because of an experience or a feeling or a goosebump, but simply because they believe those people are blessed. And that's you and I today. We didn't get to physically see Jesus, but we're blessed because we believe on him. So what can we take from that? Is that we're not supposed to try and live by our sense knowledge. We're simply to believe. 
So both faith and our born-again experience aren't based on you know, how I feel. So how about when we worship? And worship can be a number of different things. Okay, Your giving can be worship. Singing to God can be worship. <laughs> the way that you treat your spouse in a Christ-centered way is worship. You know, just also there's all sorts of different things that are are worship, okay? But are there any instructions in the Bible that tell us how we should worship? And the answer is yes. John 4:24. And this is Jesus speaking. It says, "God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth." So we're to worship God in spirit and truth. So what's that mean? Well, first, it's important to understand that you and I have an advantage over those from the old covenant. We have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. But back in the old covenant, you know, they didn't have that. They didn't have the spirit of God living on the inside of them, but we do. So we have the ability to worship God from our spirit, you know, from the spirit that's on the inside of us, not just from our carnal, you know, sense knowledge. So here's another verse to go along with that. John 6, 63. And again, this is Jesus speaking. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So, you know, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the entire reason we have life to begin with is because Holy Spirit came and now lives inside of us. So how do we worship God in spirit and truth? And what I want to ask to start is, did either one of those verses mention anything about getting goosebumps or trying to feel God's presence? No, they didn't. We worship God in spirit and in truth through the words that Jesus spoke to us. And again, that verse that we just looked at, John 6, 63, there's right in the middle of it, it says, the words that I speak, and that's this is Jesus talking, to you are spirit and they are life. So where primarily will we find the words that Jesus spoke to us? Well, they're in the Bible, okay? I'm not saying that God can't minister to us outside of sitting down and reading the pages from a Bible, okay? What's really neat is, that after we kind of get the word in us, you know, and well, and the truth is you have the mind of Christ and your born again spirit the moment that you accept Jesus. Okay. And it's not so much that we're trying to get the word of God from us reading it into our born again spirit because it, it knows that already, but we're trying to get it into our solace realm. So we read the word and, and it, you know, our, our brain kind of links up with it. But what I'm trying to get at is after we have read the word and, it, and it's gotten inside of us, a large portion of our understanding and our revelation actually comes through meditating on God's word, you know, thinking it over and over in your mind. And you can be, you know, cutting the grass or whatever and just be, you know, thinking about the Lord, just spending time with him, not even like verbally praying out loud or anything like that. And all of a sudden, revelation will just pop in your head from a verse that you had read, you know, a long time ago, but it you had read it and so it was inside of you. And all of a sudden, you understand what that verse was trying to say. And then you think of another verse that kind of goes with it. And all this can happen while you're not like physically reading your Bible. Okay. It's while you're meditating on the word of God. And that is, you know, a relationship with Jesus. You're just hanging out with him. But again, what I'm just trying to point out is the Bible is primarily where we see the words that Jesus spoke. 
So if we're going to worship God in spirit and truth, our worship needs to line up with his words. And ultimately, a lot of Bibles have the words that Jesus spoke in red, you know, in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I would just want to not warn, but, you know, help you understand that just because Jesus said something doesn't mean that it automatically applies for us today. Okay. And before you call that blasphemy, what I'm talking about is, you know, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Okay. He was fully grace and he was fully truth. Okay. Absolutely. He did things and said things that represented the new covenant that was to come. But there are also some things in there because he lived under the law. Okay. And he fulfilled the law perfectly. But at that time, those people still lived under the law. Okay, so Jesus would say things like, you know, if your arm causes you to sin, chop it off because it'd be better for you to be maimed here on earth and be able to enter into kingdom than to miss it, <laughs> you know? And sometimes people tend to like over-spiritualize stuff. <laughs> but what I'm just trying to point out is Jesus literally meant that, okay? They were underneath the law. If they're, <laughs> It was all about what they did. If their arm was going to cause them to, to sin, chop that sucker off, okay? If your eye was going to cause you to sin, it'd be better for you to pluck that sucker out and be here on planet earth without an eye, but yet be able to enter into heaven. You know, that was better. So that those are things, just an example of what Jesus said that, man, that was harsh, okay? But that was in the covenant that they were under at that time. So we're not in that. So all I'm trying to point out is just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean that it automatically applies to us in the new covenant. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything in the Bible is beneficial, okay? Absolutely. And it's God-inspired. It's it's there for us, okay? But you just got to be able to rightly divide the Word of God. And at the end of the day, you know, Jesus is the Word. So here's something to think about. Does that mean that every time Scripture is used whether that be in a song or in a prayer or in a sermon, is it automatically worshiping God in spirit and truth? And the answer to that is no. You know Why? Because what's being said has to line up with the word. And I've kind of alluded to it already with the red letter thing, but you know, one example is not understanding the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Even if scripture is being used, if it's not used in the proper context in light of the new covenant, it's like trying to use a debit card from an account that's already been closed. Okay. It just, it won't work. It doesn't matter how many times you swipe the card. If that account is closed or canceled or just is no longer active, your debit card will not work. So not everything in the Bible applies to you and I today in this new covenant, but everything in the Bible is beneficial. Another example is not understanding the finished works of Christ. You know, it, it doesn't matter how much we beg and plead with God or if we get a million people on a prayer chain, okay? And, and again, I'm not against prayer chains, I'm saying, but like it doesn't matter if we have 10, 100, or a million people praying on this prayer chain, praying for the same thing. If they're praying in unbelief, if they're not praying by the finished works of Jesus Christ, it, it doesn't do anything. It's like trying to use that debit card. It, it, it won't work, okay? We have to understand that Jesus has already done everything that he's going to do. 
And our job is simply to believe in what he's done and receive. Okay. We're not going to twist God's arm. It's not like we've got to get God to do something because he's not going to do anything that he's already done. Now, I'm sure there are more examples we could come up with, but what I just want you to understand is that no matter what the form of worship is, if it doesn't line up with the finished works of Jesus or the new covenant that you and I are in, it's not worshiping God in spirit and truth. And why is that? Because just like John 6, 63 says, it's the words that I, Jesus, speak that are spirit and they are life. So again, just because a form of, you know, quote unquote, worship has the appearance of worshiping God in spirit and truth, that doesn't mean it automatically is. And, and that's not meant to get us all, you know, self-conscious, you know, thinking that every time I pray, you know, am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? You know, that's, that's not the... That's not the purpose of this message, okay? But kind of on a side note, to all my people watchers out there, <laughs> you know, you like to be out in public or you eat in a restaurant and, and you kind of like to just watch people, what they're doing. You know, I'm not getting on you. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't got a scripture to speak against that. I'm just saying in relationship to worshiping God in spirit and truth, you know, don't be concerned with whether or not someone else is worshiping God in spirit and truth. Okay, make sure your worship is motivated with the right heart. Okay, it's not your job to to look at them and try and figure out whether or not they are. Okay, because yeah, uh, yeah, don't do that. And here's something else. You know, when we're worshiping, again, we just need to keep our head right and our heart right. Okay, God loves our worship. You know, it blesses God when we worship Him. Not that he needs to be more built up, but he appreciates it when we worship him, when we thank him, when we acknowledge how awesome he is. And I want to encourage you that, you know, the times that you raise your hands or you you sing out loud or, or you do whatever it is, that doesn't have to be limited to when you corporately come together with other believers in a church setting. Let me put it this way. I'm not trying to put God in a box. But what I'm trying to say is if if you haven't done something at home when you're alone, where no one else can see you, if you haven't praised God in a certain manner, he's probably not expecting you to do that when you go to church. Okay. And what I'm saying is if you're at home and you've never just raised your arms and say, God, you're awesome. Okay. Let me use a more extreme example. If you've never just laid on your face and laid down and been mindful of the fact of how awesome God is and how... <laughs> how much of a nothing we are without him that, you know, don't get me wrong, because God in, is in us, we're awesome. But, you know, without God, how we would just be nothing and you just lay down on your face and you just cry and you just thank God, okay? And I'm again, I'm going to an extreme, but if you haven't done that at home when you're alone, God's probably not going to ask you to do that in front of other people, okay? Because again, I'm not trying to tell you how to worship. I'm just saying that Sometimes our praise can have the appearance of trying to be worshipy and, and directed towards God, but in reality, it's all about how we're being looked at by others. We want the praise of other people. We want people to come up to us and say, oh, you were singing so good. You have such a beautiful voice. You were singing so loud and it was beautiful. Or, or oh, I just loved how you were dancing and you were just praising God, you know. And again, this isn't a message about you're doing everything wrong. I'm just trying to say, let's keep our head right and our heart right and make sure that we're doing things motivated by love. 
So let's just make sure that our worship is motivated with the right type of heart and that it's not with the intent of being seen by others. So again, the title of this message is What I Feel. And a key to the Christian life is to stop being moved by what we feel. But again, are feelings bad? No, absolutely not. Are the goosebumps that come, are they bad? No, enjoy them when we get them, okay? But when we gain the understanding that we don't have to have the feelings and the goosebumps, we'll be able to worship God in spirit and truth and know that it's God honoring even when we don't have those feelings and those goosebumps. We'll be able to read the word and know we're getting something out of it even when we don't feel something. We can, you know, pray for someone regardless of whether or not we're feeling, you know, super holy or not. <laughs> you know, sometimes we do something silly and we spend so much time beating ourselves up over it. And th- there comes someone that God brought across our path and, and we know that we should pray for him, but we don't because, you know, we don't feel holy enough because we know that we just made a mistake and, you know, whatever the case may be. But that's all feelings. Okay. And we don't want to be moved by those. We can worship God at home or in a setting like, you know, your church or at a Christian concert and know that it's God honoring, even though we might not feel anything. So again, God wants only good for us and he wants us to live by faith, you know, not by feelings. And why is that? Because he knows that the feelings, they come and they go, but faith can be steady. And that's what he wants for us. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.